You're tuned in to Nerd Overload, your weekly pop and geek culture show covering movies, TV, games, and comics. Now your hosts, Cody Pinnock, Sam Dunham, and Josh Harrison. Hey everybody, welcome to Nerd Overload, the pop and geek culture show that knows the most important rings of power are the ones you can use to summon Captain Planet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Cody. I'm Sam. And I'm Samantha. We have a great show for you this week. Uh, We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, uh, but first let's get into some things we've been checking out. Guess who forgot to bring up the the, uh, soundboard? Whoops. Whoops. (laughs) Give me a sec. One one of the things will not be Lord of the Rings Ring Power. That's right. (laughs) Check it out. Check it out. Yeah, I had every intention of watching Rings of Power when it came out yeah. at 9 p.m. on Friday. <laughs> Not Friday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it turned out it was two and a half hours long. That is too much. Yeah, I'm like, not today. No. Not, not committing oh to that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess it's on brand for the other Lord of the Rings everything because it's about an hour and a half longer than it needs to be. <laughs> supposed to be a tv show why is it a movie it's too much to get you into the setting yeah that every tv show is a movie now like it it kind of is it is it it bothers me can't shows just be shows now yeah like stranger things half of those episodes were like 45 minutes longer than they needed to be in the last season Mm -hmm. that's what i hear Take right. it down a notch. Make yeah. shorter show. This is why animation is good because it can't be long because it's too expensive. <laughs> it's too expensive and too difficult. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows should start being shows again. You know, that's that's one of the good things about the She-Hulk show, right? They're pretty pretty much like 30, 35 minutes. Yep. Right. They they keep it keep it tight over there at the She-Hulk ship. That's good. They need to keep it tight over there. <laughs> Which. Although it's a show where I'm like, I could have went 15 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like every episode that's been out so far, I think afterwards, I'm like, I could have took a little bit more of that. Okay. Okay. See, uh, the from what I've heard, I, I, I'm getting caught up on it this week. I, I haven't watched it yet. Does it? Does the She-Hulk show feel almost like it could have been a movie script that they added a little bit to and stretched it to six episodes? Yeah, it does feel like kind of like it could have been a movie. It's... It's paced really, like I said, it's really tight. It's really tight over there on the She-Hulk show. Yeah. <laughs> like it's paced really well that it would just work all together. I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. It's like legitimately very funny. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Without it being at the expense of the storyline, like Thor. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Thor was enjoyable. Yeah, it I, wasn't like, a bad movie by any means. No, absolutely not. But it was. They did kind of mess with characterization for the sake of a joke sometimes in that. So I'm glad that She-Hulk's doing better. I think the last two Marvel shows have been leaps and bounds better than the last two movies have been. And Doctor Strange was very good, mm-hmm. but Ms. Marvel was better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, the, the shows have really seemed like they've hit their stride for sure. And that's great. I I'm that's fantastic. And and each one feels totally unique by mm-hmm. a by a lot actually. Yeah. Instead of the movies which fit like all kind of 
It's the same model. Yeah. It's it's a very similar kind of model. I mean, they're a little bit of deviation here and there, but it's mostly the same kind of thing. It's getting kind of McDonald's-y. Yes. That's a really good way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch She-Hulk yet. I was too busy watching online documentaries about things that don't matter. <laughs> oh, I've done that too. Don't oh, worry yeah. about it. Yeah, well, let's talk about it then. So which one, which one of the two do you want to talk about? Because there's two major ones. Uh, that kind of came up recently. I mean, do we want to talk about American Sailor Moon here, or do we want to do it in the news? You know what? We'll do that in the of... news, so we'll talk about the other one. Okay. So there's a guy on YouTube, uh, Quentin, Quentin Reviews, I think is his YouTube channel, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. And he does these um, really hyper in-depth deep dive looks into, well, right now the fascination is the Nickelodeon early 2000s sitcom children's sitcoms like your iCarly's and your victorious and the most recent one that came out he did a a five-hour video on sam and cat i'm i'm about two hours in maybe two and a half he (laughs) the last 10 minutes are him padding because he said if i don't hit five hours people are going to be mad at me so we're just (laughs) going to talk for 10 minutes (laughs) But uh, and yeah, it, I sat and watched the whole thing. It's not all dry documentary. No, no, either. no. He's, it's it's really funny. He's it's, a funny guy. Yeah, he's a pretty funny guy. Uh, but they really kind of go deep into. Well, they almost beat for beat every episode of this of the series, and kind of gives his opinion on what might must have might have been going on in the background behind the scenes of this stuff. Like the Sam and Cat show was a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff. Um, yeah, it spins off way further back than I thought. Hmm. I didn't realize that Drake and Josh was a spinoff of The Amanda Show, which is a spinoff of all that. All that. <laughs> and and iCarly was kind of a spinoff of, of Drake, Drake and, Josh. and Josh. So it goes all the way back. Oh, wow. All yeah. these shows are linked in one way or another. Unfortunately, they're all linked by their showrunner, Dan Schneider. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Um, I didn't get to the end of the documentary, but does he mention how Dan Schneider had to work in a separate room toward no, the end? No, did not hear that. Yeah, I heard. Th- I think I heard that in like an interview with, uh, or I read it in an interview with Jeanette McCurdy, like towards the end of the shows, they had they kept him separate. sequestered in yeah. a separate room. They should. They yeah. should. They should put that man in a separate room and never, never speak to him again. Um, it's called prison. It's, <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff that has been coming out, and this, um, this documentary is kind of timed uh, really well with the release of a book by uh, one of the actresses on the show, uh, Jeanette McCurdy. We just talked about her. Um, she released a memoir, uh, kind of a half comedy, half drama memoir about growing up as a child actress in a home where her mom was kind of a monster. She seems from what I could tell the, the, her mother seems to be one of those uh, Hollywood helicopter parents that was projecting her desire for fame onto her child. And the book apparently goes into like how this, you know, this kid was basically the sole income provider for her family and really didn't want to be acting and really didn't want to do this stuff. And her mom was pushing it real, real hard. Gave her an eating disorder. Gave her an eating disorder and all sorts of terrible stuff. Well, I mean, the book is called I'm Glad My Mom Is Dead. Yeah. 
So if that tells you anything. It's a very ballsy title. It like. is. <laughs> it is. And I mean, it, it does kind of go back. It does kind of have other meaning because her mom was a cancer survivor. And she apparently, the mom used that as a means to get more access to the filming and script writing and more access to her kid while on set than most parents in that situation would. Like, she would play the I'm a cancer survivor card. Oh, geez. And that's why she was allowed much more stuff. Apparently, in the uh, original, something they said, something like in the original um, um, audition for uh, iCarly, uh, the parents were supposed to be not allowed in there. And uh, the mother said, well, I, you know, I don't know how much time I have left on this earth because I am a cancer survivor and I would like to see my my daughter be in this audition and was coaching her from the sidelines while in there. Yeah. So, and, and and the guest of the book also goes into um, the Dan Schneider thing and how he's uh, just a allegedly a garbage human being. Uh, McCurdy went into bits about how she was uh, given alcohol as an uh, underage actor at a party from from this guy she never calls him out by name in the book either calls him the the creator yeah she refers to him as the creator yeah and um i've done a little digging into this guy otherwise and hey do you ever do you ever wonder why on iCarly and victorious and sam and cat uh there's always jokes about feet Or they had one time had that contest where they had kids tweet pictures of their feet at Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we won't get into that. We here. won't get into that here. That's that's not for, that's not for here. <laughs> but uh, but the documentary, the deep dive is really, really fascinating stuff. And I, I have no nostalgic zero. On these shows at all. I, I've never watched an episode of these shows, but I find these documentaries extremely fascinating. Extremely fascinating. And I don't know why. Yeah, I have no interest in any of the characters or any of the really any of the actors or anything like that. I mean, if you if if they're all tied together my nostalgia ends uh, after the first season of all that when it spun off into Keenan and Kel. I didn't even like all that when I was a kid. I watched all that. It was kind of fun. I'm just like, this is not animated. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. The James Bond parodies with Coldfinger, the man with the very, very cold pinky finger. (laughs) That was pretty funny. I liked that. And, you know, I still remember a lot of the the first time through all that. I I remember Keenan's French guy in the bathtub. Keenan's French guy in the bathtub. Yeah. Uh, Well, the Good Burger. That was they made a movie out of Good good Burger. That sketch was nothing. And they made a movie out of it. (laughs) Yeah. I just uh, that it was just really fascinating kind of sitting and watching. And it's and it's a part one. There's still a second half of their of a season and more digging into stuff. Um, to go through, I guess. I remember one time Miranda Cosgrove was on the Goldbergs and she was playing sexy college professor. And like the whole time I'm like, gross, that's iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this uh, watching these, because I also watched one of the uh, iCarly ones. Um, be, again, because I have a lot of downtime at work, basically. <laughs> but um, it made me interested in trying the um re- not, it's not a reboot but like a sequel iCarly series that was for oh, that's on Paramount Paramount that is 
that the jokes and everything has aged up with the core demographics. So now it's like a actual sitcom. Yeah, it's, it's for grown ups. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I'm I'm curious. I don't think it'd be good, but I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would like it either. But I I'd maybe give it a sh- I would shot. I would watch an episode and go okay. I don't get these callbacks yeah. at all. Did is Gibby on it? Did they get Gibby? <laughs> I don't know if they got Gibby on it. I do like that they had the dramatic reading of the failed pilot of Gibby in the Salmon Cat video. Yeah, that's how he opens the video. Is it's like the first thirty five minutes. Yeah, wow. There was almost a Gibby spinoff. And I love how he keeps playing that clip of that stunt actor falling directly <laughs> onto hard concrete. <laughs> yeah. There was apparently a Gibby stunt in an iCarly episode where would the guy like break his was, spine or he something? He like broke his spine in real life. Yeah. yeah he was like uh, falling from the rafters onto the ground and there was no padding and he just fell like like a sack of bricks. And they used it in the show. Yeah, they used, they used it. Yeah. <laughs> well, between that and the American Sailor Moon thing, those are the things that I've been checking out. But we're going to get to that after the after the break because that's actually news news. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big there's a big deal with that one. Yeah. That we will get into. Yep. Yep. We watched a movie on Shutter called Glorious that okay. was very good. <laughs> uh, it was about a man that's stuck in a rest stop bathroom with what may be like some sort of elder god in one of the stalls oh talking to him okay through a hole hole yeah, yeah. hole in the yeah, stall there's a yeah. hole in the stall gotcha <laughs> <laughs> and he's voiced by jk simon simmons nice nice <laughs> and like he starts well first he he wants to get this guy tell this guy his story and why he's there and of course he doesn't want any part of it because it's a bathroom it's a bathroom and you don't nobody, wanna, nobody wants that you don't talk in the bathroom in a public bathroom you don't no, no you don't absolutely do it. not no nope but this, this you're there for business some kind of elder god so he can lock the whole bathroom and lock the whole place in some sort of astral domain pocket dimension so oh, he can't leave okay and he has to listen to this god this god tells him his story it was really good interesting and uh like of course, it, there's a way that it sounds like it's going, and they're aware of that. But uh, that's sure. not what it is. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 We're dancing close. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny and and good, kind of like a good character piece because the whole thing is in this decrepit, nasty, like rest station, <laughs> rest stop bathroom. I'm sure it was probably pretty cheap to film if they were just in one location, and that's kind of it. Right? Yeah. And. And J.K. Simmons is not even physically in it. Oh, he's he probably VAs just on a set. the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he's just doing yeah. VA. Yeah, interesting. And there's like only like three other people in the whole movie. <laughs> and it has a solid and well executed twist at the end that I didn't see coming. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds really. Interesting. And there's wet wet puppet. <laughs> okay, it's always important for your horror movie to have some wet puppets. In oh, it. sure, of course. <laughs> Why did my brain go to the Cheddar Goblin in uh, Mandy? I mean, that's a pretty wet puppet. Yeah, <laughs> I love the Cheddar Goblin. That's the best part of the. It whole is movie. the best <laughs> part of the movie. Well, I don't know. Maybe the sword fight with the chainsaw. Yeah, and the axe. Should watch that movie again. That's a good movie. It's a. It's a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to get too, too yeah, deep let's not into get too, it. Yeah, let's not get too much deeper because it's... It's good and people should just watch it. Okay. If right. you like scary movies with a decent amount of violence in them. Okay. Um, let's see. I've been playing uh, Brock the Investigator. <laughs> okay. Uh, which isn't a game that I thought I would like on the outset because I thought it was just a point and click adventure that features mainly like anthropomorphic characters. Mm-hmm. And but you, Samantha sent me the trailer, and it turns out it's a point-and-click game that's also a beat 'em up. Uh, they call it on Steam, which is genius. They call it a punch-and-click. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a button that switches moves from or switches modes from investigating to punching. Interesting. So you get to solve puzzles and beat people up. Um, it's really fun and cool. <laughs> and the animation and art is like is really good. I'm I'm not into anthropomorphic art like that mm-hmm. normally, but it looks good. It's very I it could be like a Disney afternoon type oh, situation. Oh, okay, that sort of okay. Yeah. Cuz yeah, there's def- there's a definite line with that t- style of art where s- certain kinds are okay and certain kinds are Yeah, it it's mm. more cartoony than it is like you know yeah gotcha yeah. yep yep understood uh, and the puzzles are good and there's multiple ways to to solve them because you can go in and and solve puzzles with like using items and your smarts or a lot of times you can just punch things and punch things until fights. it goes away okay that's really fascinating that's, yeah that sounds it, fun. it's a cool game um the art doesn't match the the tone and the setting though oh okay because it's very much like a dystopian uh future world oh that also has disney cartoon animals interesting it's like if um the rescuers were in the hunger games world oh (laughs) all right it's it's weird but it it works Mm -hmm. in spite of how odd it is Uh, and sometimes you have to play as brock Brock crocodile or Brock alligators, um, stepson, which is less fun mm. because he's like just like a cat child. Oh, okay, that's not as much. No, I'm like, let me be the cool, the cool uh, gator again, please. I don't want to be with this kid. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's trying to do good in his future program, like like mental programming school so he can graduate from being a slums person to being a a drummer which is what they call the people who live under the fancy domes where there's not toxic uh gas everywhere gotcha. uh, interesting no it sounds it sounds really interesting um is it a particularly long game or is it just kind of a shorter uh, point and click kind i'm of not thing? sure because i i've put i don't know at least probably Five, five or six hours into it at this really? point. Wow, okay. And it doesn't seem like it's anywhere near wrapping up, so it might be a little long. Might be a kind of a longer one. Okay, cool. Well, right on. Very cool. But yeah, I, li- I like that. Um, so what else have we watched? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, uh, like the last couple of weeks, I have been playing Lego DC <laughs> Super Villains. <laughs> I have 100%ed it. I never want to play a Lego game again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Man, that's a lot. Of, they hide a lot of dumb garbage in those. They sure do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not even one of the better ones. It's not fun by the end <laughs> because I, I went through, I did all of the special, I got all the char- hidden characters. 
I found all of the um um all the races. The races in those game in that game, the worst. The vehicles, <laughs> they they are terrible. I, I can't think of a Lego game where a vehicle was fun to drive. Oh, actually, they fun were not. None of it was fun. <laughs> Most of the time, I would start the race and immediately hop out and use like the flash and just <laughs> run around because there's a bug because the game was not optimized well where it counted as long as you started it with a vehicle. <laughs> I went through and I did all the mini games and some of them are so inane and just obtuse. <laughs> And multiple of them broke halfway through, meaning I would have to stop the game, reboot the Switch, and try it again. Um, And by the time I got all that, I looked at the percentage counter, and it said 98%. And I said, oh, okay, what am I missing? Let's bring it over the finish line. (laughs) I was like, well, well, my brain won't let me go 98%. I gotta go do a hundred. So I look. So I went online. I was like, okay, I'm missing like one thing. That's fine. No, I'm not missing one thing. Apparently, there are at least eight or nine collectibles scattered randomly throughout each borough of Gotham City and and Metropolis that you have to like jump into a special area and break one specific box in order to get one of like nine or maybe fifteen of these little trinkets. And you had to do that like 10 times. Oh, no. So there's like over a hundred of these little collectible things that are completely missable. That they're, they, do, they do nothing. <laughs> it took me four hours <laughs> of just running from one spot to the other. I eventually just went online and found a map where someone had drawn little circles where they usually show up. And you know what? If they didn't show up, guess what you have to do? Run to a different area save, shut down the game, start it back up so it randomizes where the drops are again, run back to where it goes, and hopefully maybe it'll be there or not. I think I would have just deleted it off my Switch at that point. I never want to play a Lego (laughs) game again. The new Star Wars one was pretty good. (sighs) No. I finished a couple more chapters in Live Alive. I, oh, yeah. I did How's the that? present day one. Okay, cool. How, what how, what'd you think of that one? Um, It's short, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. And it uses the mechanics interestingly. Yes. Because it's all battles, but they're not... Most of the battles in the game aren't incredibly... Difficult like, or Difficult anything. or technical. Yeah. But these kind of have like a Mega Man rock, paper, scissors thing to them. Yep. That's but right. The whole thing is a pastiche of Street Fighter... But, but conceptually, is more like a Mega Man. Yeah, because you go through, and every time these other fighters use their special moves on you, you learn them, and then you can take those moves you learn into the battles with the other fighters. And some of them are weak to those type of moves, and some of them are not. And you get, need to figure out which is which. Yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. It's a really interesting way of taking the RPG battle style, which can get a little monotonous otherwise, and does something cool with it. And I finished, I finally finished the uh, prehistory one. That one's a pretty long one, isn't it? It was kind of long. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, though, and the story's fun and cute and funny. Mm-hmm. I like the gorilla man and the the attacks that are about farts and poops. Cavemen. Yeah, I mean, it's cavemen. Yeah. Did you find the hidden stone that boosts your intelligence by 50? 
No, I read about it later after I already finished it. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a there's a 2001 uh, an obelisk. obelisk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I did get all the moves in the fighting one except for one because it doesn't list it. Because it's super hidden. It's like a one of one of the fighters had three that you could learn, and they yeah. didn't list it. But I think by leveling up, you get that one later in the game. Oh, cool! You, it's just a special extra thing if you really want to be a completionist. You can get it early. But it doesn't affect anything, from what I understand. Because I, I did make sure to get every single one that it listed. Oh, I'm of like, course. He's, I'm going to be back later when all the characters meet up, so I better get all these now. Well, the chapter's short enough. You can you can do that and not really feel like you're missing out on a ton of stuff. You yeah. Know? I'm doing the ninja one right now, and mm. it's kind of a slog. Is that the one where you have to either stealth around everyone or... Or kill everyone. Or kill everyone. Yeah, uh, and graphically, it's probably the coolest looking one. Mm-hmm. And the the setting is just really cool, but it's just kind of like walking around this castle and stealth, but in a 2D RPG style. It just doesn't... It It's, it's not, not quite there. No. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because the setting is so cool. It's, it's late samurai times. So you like save a guy from the prison in the castle who has a gun. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, I guess that's kind of the 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 trade off with uh, taking an old game and upresing it. You can't really fix some of the things that the game had a problem with initially, and I'm sure if the game were developed now as a new property, they would have done something different yeah. with that chapter. But because that's how they did it back in '94, '97, something like that, something yeah, back in the early '90s that they kind of were hamstrung and had to do it this way now yeah. kind of 2d top down stealth just like isn't that it's good. it's not yeah it's not all right well hey let's go ahead and take a break here and when we come back we'll get into some news this is gail martin hi this is carol kelly we'd like to invite you to join us for our gardening and outdoors show here on wzmo We talk about observations and insights about what's happening from week to week with plants and animals in the woods and fields around us, as well as what's going on in the garden. In the Green Outdoors airs Saturdays and Mondays at about 9.30 a.m. right after the second cup. We hope you'll join us. Hi, everyone. I'm Greg Dunham, the host of Long Play here on WZMO. Long Play is a show that appeals to music lovers of all ages. Here's an example. I love Long Play. There you have it. A completely unsolicited endorsement for one of our youngest fans. Grandpa, where's my candy? Ellie, be cool. Grandpa! Ellie and I would like to invite you to tune into Long Play every Friday at 11 p.m. and Saturday at 3 p.m. right here on 104.7. W-C-M-O. Hey, we're back for the break. Let's go ahead and talk about some news. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into the first one. We teased it a couple times uh, in the first half. The uh, American Sailor Moon. Yes. Uh, news. So do you want to you want to tee this one up? Yeah. Way back in the early 90s. Or mid nineties, whenever Power Rangers was real popular. Ninety three, ninety four. Okay, <laughs> Saban... not that I would know that off the top of my head or anything. 
Saban and Deke and Toei. And Toon Makers. And Toon Makers teamed up to try and Americanize Sailor Moon, the anime, the famous anime Mm -hmm. for the American market. Right. And the only thing that, that anybody had ever seen of it was a clip from some con. Somebody had a tape of it that they played in some room. And and, all- yeah, and like the like it wasn't like a clear shot of the screen. It was like a really muffled music and a real like uh, skewed look at like a projector. And, and you, it was and you could hardly hear it because mostly you could just hear everyone laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. And so there was uh, and for years, people have been like, where is this thing? This thing should exist somewhere and no one could find it. No one could find anything about it. No one could find anyone who worked on it. It just practically didn't exist. Yeah. Kotaku tried to find it a couple of years and, ago. And they found Teen Angel yeah, they, instead. They found it. Or Teen Angel. <laughs> a, a it was semi-related, their second, yeah. Yeah, it was a semi-related, uh, their second attempt at doing a live-action American where they were all angels in a that would fly to Earth to save people from falling out of trees and stuff. It was terrible. But uh, flash forward to... When was the first half of this thing put out? Was it a couple months ago? Mm, it was pretty. It was there was a big gap between. There was a the big two gap. Halves. Okay. Because I just I watched them back to back, so I you know the the time frame is not. Yeah, I, I watched the first half so long ago that I probably should have watched it again oh, before yeah. I watched the second half. But there w- there is a uh, online documentarian uh, named Raven Simone. Not that not one. Not that one. <laughs> She's not so Raven. She goes by Ray Ray Mona, Ray Mona because Ray Mona. it's it's easier to find on Google as Ray Mona and not Raven Simone because <laughs> guess what you get Raven Simone the actress and she was named after after the actress, the actress. yes she did some investigative journalism and started really like almost creepily obsessing uh, obsessively digging into this stuff just like extremely top level journalist oh stuff. yeah. For like, I don't know how old she is, but not like she's not older than us. Yeah, she she might be thirty, maybe. She, maybe she's doing like some Woodward and Bernstein level work. Oh yeah, about this American <laughs> Sailor Moon pilot. Yeah, she tracked down people that ended up working on it. She tracked down uh one of the actresses from the live action section. Who turns out was from Starship Troopers. Was in Starship Troopers and a bunch of other stuff. It turns out a lot of the live action scenes were filmed and repurposed Saved by the Bell, the college years sets. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, well, long story short, after over 25-ish years of this uh, media being thought to have been completely lost to time, she found it. Yeah. She found the entire pilot. The entire pilot and the music video that was made to accompany the sales pitch for it. And, and it's that entirety. song is a banger. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is an earworm. Yeah. I cannot get it out of my head. Sailor, Sailor, Sailor Moon. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. But it's it's really fascinating. Like the whole, well, one, her going through and finding every bit, but also just learning about the process of, well, they went to Tune Makers for this pilot pitch, and they did it on the cheap because they didn't know if it was going to be picked up. So it was a lot of guys who were working for Don Bluth and Disney and Warner Brothers that would stop by on the way home from work, and they would say, "Hey, do you think you can like draw up like ten or twelve frames at a time?" 
and you know we'll we'll pay you under the table basically it was basically freelance work that's yeah. why they couldn't find anyone who worked on it because it was all freelance and there were there were no names attached it turned out that uh, Dan Povenmire and Swamp uh Swampy Marsh the guys that created Phineas and Ferb worked on they it. They worked on it, yeah. They, they worked on a little bit of every cartoon ever, I think. Yeah. Because they were Rocco guys. They were mm-hmm. they were on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they uh, she she ended up uh, getting in touch with the guy that was in the head of Toon Maker at the time, and the guy another guy who was he's he's a huge animation guy but he filmed the live action section because they said oh, you've done live action before do you want to take a stab at this and the guy was like oh, all right sure well i'll try it yeah and the interview with these two guys is fantastic That's, it's probably the best part of the entire thing without a doubt the best part of the entire thing they're they're the only ones that she talked to other than the actress that, yes that seem to remember and care about this yes like the, <laughs> everybody else is like well yeah i did that whatever yeah, it didn't. It was it was a pilot and it failed. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, what about that one guy? Oh, I can't remember his name. There, Raymond some, some, something he, or other. Some sort of like Hollywood dude. He's like a shyster man. Yeah. He, he he was definitely like propping himself up to make himself sound way bigger than he actually was. Yeah. It sounds like he was just some guy that kind of hung around the studio, but propped himself up to make it sound like he was. Oh, I really, I secretly ran the place, you know, mm-hmm. I did this and that and this and that. Um, and didn't actually ha- end up having anything. He didn't have anything. Well, it turned out a lot of the um, uh, animation cells from it probably came from his storage locker because he needed mu- a, a quick buck and sold uh, everything in his storage locker. And that's where people started circulating the cells. That's how people got the script, too. got the script as well, because it was just stuff he had. He's like, it's junk. Take it. Interesting that Adrian Barbeau was yeah. cast as the voice of uh, Queen Beryl and Queen Serenity, yeah. the, the the main hero and villain. <laughs> but, yeah, we can talk about the pilot itself. Oh, I guess. yeah. Let's talk about it. It's sure. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, it's live action and animated hybrid. So whenever they were in their civilian clothes, the Sailor Moon and team were uh, live action high school students living in a dorm. Uh, like a, a private school dorm and in animation when when there's a, a threat to the yeah, universe yeah when they gotta fly to jupiter to save the day on, the, on their space surfboards yeah that sailor moon definitely has uh-huh their, their wind surfer board well, listen moon is space and they're sailors they gotta sail there yeah, they don't have that the uh sailor fuku school uniform thing to to pull from so they have to have some reason why they're sailors exactly and the you know, hey, might as well be might as well surfing. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, when they would go to save the day, they would transform into animated versions of themselves who look like uh, cast off He-Man characters. Yep. Cast off He-Man characters and multicultural pals. Yeah, <laughs> because that is one of the things that they did. They went through and every one of the five girls was a different uh, nationality. Well, except for Sailor Mercury, but her nationality was wheelchair. <laughs> she, she was also a redhead. Which she I was a redhead. She, she, that's a nationality, you know what? She, right? She barely spoke. She probably was Irish. Yeah. <laughs> I think it counts. But they made, like, Sailor Jupiter was black, and Sailor Venus was uh, Latino, I think. And um, 
they don't match up to the anime at all. They don't. They're completely different characters. Completely they look completely different. different. Oh, except their their elemental powers were the same. And there was a clip where Jupiter was arm wrestling the four other girls at the same time. So apparently they were keeping the fact that she was super strong. She's the strong one. She's, she's the strong one. Yeah. She's the best one, <laughs> to be fair. Well, I I agree with you. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's hilarious to watch. Before I watched the documentary, when I just watched the pilot, I'm like, this, this sucks. No one would ever like this, even then. But after watching the documentary and hearing the guys that made it talk about it, I'm like, you know, this would have worked, actually. It could have worked. (laughs) It could have worked. For the time frame and everything, it very much could have worked. Yeah, because it's it's hard to separate it from the actual show, which is a lot better. Mm -hmm. And they they did end up making the right choice by dubbing the original show. Sure. But I think this would have been decently popular enough. Yeah. People would have fond memories of it, I think. Yeah. So it's, I, I think the one of the more interesting things was when she actually found the tape, it was actually in the uh, uh, Library of Congress. Yeah. That they, because that's where everything copyright, all copyright material ends up, you know, a copy gets sent to the Library of Congress. And in her digging, she found that they, that uh, Saban and Tune Makers and whoever else had copywritten a million names of other anime properties that they were planning on reanimating into American style, including Tamagotchi and (laughs) was case closed in there. I think, I think so. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. So if the, well, she, she mentions it in the documentary, if this sailor moon would have worked, how many other popular bits of media would have gotten a similar treatment. Yeah, anime wouldn't be nearly as popular. No, not at I all. I think they probably would have did the same thing to Pokemon. If More than likely, worked. yeah. They Which really would have. Sailor Moon helped to bring... Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball helped make anime popular in America, but it was really Pokemon. It was really Pokemon. over the edge. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. But no, just fascinating stuff. Uh, just digging in, trying to, you know, the, the, the hunt for this lost a bit of media. Uh, the other thing I, I kind of liked was there was one toy. She mentioned there was one toy for sailor moon that never made sense. Never showed up on the anime. Why did this thing exist? The lunar cycle. It was a motorcycle that was in the shape of a crescent moon. And as it turns out, it was the one bit of pre-production art that slipped through the cracks during the tune makers pitch and was made into a toy. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool stuff. I don't know. It's it's really interesting to watch. I uh the one thing about the documentary that kind of got me, they did this thing that I know is employed on a lot of documentaries and it's fine. They dramatized email conversations and things like that with various other YouTube voice personalities portraying the people that she's interviewing and normally it doesn't bother me too much, but they used a couple of folks that I could pick out just like their voice, just like that. They were talking to Ron Wasserman, the guy who, well, he's a a, a, a composer. He's known for Go Go Power Rangers. He's he did a million songs, and when they're talking to him, it was Mad McMuscles from What Happened. Like, there's no there's no questioning it. There's it it. I was like, that's not Ron Wasserman. I, I watch a lot of YouTube documentaries, and they almost all do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was just something that just kind of took me out of it for a moment. It's like, oh, maybe that. And there were a couple of minor factual inaccuracies 
that also kind of made me go eh. like she she at one point called Chuck Jones a legendary animator and voice actor and nah he didn't do voices that was Mel Blanc uh, that was Mel, Mel Blanc. Blanc and like there were a few others that were very minor not pertinent to the conversation but it was like I don't I don't like being that guy <laughs> I'd never want to be that guy but but you're going to be that guy. Chuck Jones didn't do voices. Take two seconds and go on Wikipedia <laughs> and go, mm, he didn't do voices. It was just animation. Mm. But it was still a really good documentary. Definitely worth checking out. We talked about this for way too long. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Harley Quinn animated show. Yeah, let's do it. Um, very good, especially lately. Uh, we've been keeping up with it. And the last Two or three episodes have been just like amazingly good. Has it dealt with finding Frank the the Pl- the talking the, plant, the talking yeah. plant, and it's a uh, the Bruce Wayne thing and yeah, they, all those stuff? They go inside of Bruce Wayne's mind, mm-hmm. and it is a very good look at Batman and his trauma and his past. And they roll up all the different Batman movies and shows and stuff together in an interesting and fun way. Yeah, there's like I I saw a couple of clips of this, and at one point it's uh, Harley Quinn talking to adult Bruce and kid Bruce at the same time, and adult Bruce looks turns to kid Bruce and goes, "Okay, Bruce, let's go watch our parents die." It's, it's what we deserve. It's what we deserve. Yeah. Well, Harley kind of becomes his therapist. Yeah. inside of his brain, and that's great. Yeah, that's great. But it's getting picked up for a fourth season. Yes, that's the news. That's bit. the news. Yeah. <laughs> In this world of Warner Brothers destroying every animated project they have, right? they picked up another season of Harley Quinn. Thank goodness. Yeah, which is surprising, but it also does fit. If you saw those slides going around about what they thought their <laughs> perceived audience for HBO Max is, it's the audience of the animated Harley Quinn yeah. show. So, like, at one hand, it's surprising. On the other hand, not it's so not much. so much. Yeah. Because what HBO Max is for forward-leaning entertainment for the 18 to 24 male demographic for some reason. And that's, uh, yeah, and I mean, it, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad it's getting picked up. That's great. Yeah. That's really good. Every time it gets picked up again, I'm surprised because it seems like it's too good to exist. It seems like it's always right on the edge of being chopped. Yeah. Every 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 season. Somebody up there loves the show, and I'm glad. I'm the same. Well, I can knock this one out real quick. You don't even have to put your finger on the Power Rangers button. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. This is going to be very quick. Um, last weekend was Power Morphicon, the yearly convention of all things Power Rangers, where they trot out all the old actors and have them sit in the celebrity zoo and sign autographs and announce the next season's Power Rangers. As much as I love Power Rangers, I don't know if I'd ever want to go to actual uh, Power Morphicon, probably because as much as I love Power Rangers, I don't like Power Rangers fans. (laughs) They seem to be a little insufferable online. It's going to be chock full of people who have only watched Mighty Morphin. Mighty Morphin and love Jason David Frank. Yeah, exactly. And and worship the, the ground that the original cast walks on when there are much better seasons of Power Rangers, Time Force, 
is probably the best season of Power Rangers. Go watch that. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> they pl- probably never watched a Super Sentai episode. Probably never. Although uh, a Captain Marvelous from Gokaiger made his first uh, ever U.S. appearance <laughs> there. That's pretty cool. And he's, uh, yeah, and he, he, he tweeted out. He said, it, w- it was very scary being in a country I don't know, but I think I made it okay with broken English and gestures. <laughs> Uh, and he was very. He said, "I'm very grateful for being over here." Whatever. The big news is they announced what the next season of Power Rangers is going to be called. It's going to be called Cosmic Fury, and it is for the first time since Mighty Morphin 29 years ago. For the first time since then, the cast of the previous season is coming in for a th- to come back for a third season of the series through a costume change and uh, setting change. Uh, last season was called Dino Fury. There were six rangers like there usually is. And uh, the, and dinosaurs, man, they never do they that They never one. do dinosaurs. They definitely haven't done dinosaurs five or six times. <laughs> uh, and they definitely haven't done space at least three or four. <laughs> there definitely wasn't Power Rangers in space and Lost Galaxy. <laughs> definitely not. Anyway, they haven't really announced too much about this, but based on what new seasons of Sentai that they could pull from, there are one of two options that they could go with. Uh, there was a show called Q Ranger, which is probably one of my favorite se- seasons that was about on about three or four years ago. And then there was one called uh, Kira Major, which were about uh, space rocks that were also genies. Nice. I didn't care for it, but it's, it's fine. <laughs> the theory is that they're going with Q Ranger because that season has 12 or 13 Rangers on the team. It was a very huge season. The whole thing was supposed to be about 12 12 sacred constellations that are going to save the universe. And all the Rangers were constellation themed. That's too many. It's a lot. It's a lot. Now, they did have a gimmick on that series where they basically played root like they had a uh, bingo uh, spinning uh, orb thing, you know how they pull, pull out bingo balls? Oh, yeah. And they would pick five at the beginning of, of each episode, and that's the team that was sent. <laughs> and all the Zords... Very strategic. And all the Zords were modular, so all the Zords snapped onto the red ones so they, they could make the robot out of whatever five they have. Uh, the theory is, because there's so many rangers, they're taking the six rangers from Dino Fury and transplanting them onto um, Cosmic Fury so that they only have to introduce six or seven other characters instead of having the arduous task of introducing and giving enough time to 13 or 14 characters (laughs) in a 40-episode season or two 20-episode mini-seasons is how they do it now. So that's kind of the theory. I'm interested in... For the first time in a while, I'm interested in watching new Power Rangers. I usually don't watch new Power Rangers because it's... It's for kids. It's, it's a, a child. Ba- yeah, it's, it's a baby a, show. It's a baby show for kids. But <laughs> I really like the suits. I really like the suits and I really like the robot in the season. So I'm interested. In, and honestly, I'm curious to see how, how they butcher my, one of my favorite seasons of the Japanese show, which was actually more geared towards adults a little bit, except for the toys. The toys are always for the kids. That's it. That's all but, I but have. You can say the same thing about Pokemon. Oh, you can. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to make a live action Pac-Man movie. Why? <laughs> I don't know. They want that Sonic money, is they what do. they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But the issue there is that Sonic has a personality, like a set way that Sonic is supposed to act. Pac-Man doesn't. <laughs> pa- no. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see some... They, they would never do this in a million years, but I could see some sort of kids first 
a space horror movie where it's a guy in a yellow suit and his helmet space helmet looks kind of like Pac-Man and he's on a spaceship filled with ghosts and he has to collect batteries to and power has, up his ship. Right. That would be interesting. They won't do it. No, this is going to be it's going to be the Pac-Man from Pac-World. He's going to be Pac-Man with arms and legs. Yeah. And he's going to be running around going, oh, I got to go get Blinky and Inky and Clyde. <laughs> Eat the dots. Eat dot. I, get blue. I'm hungry. That's going to be the joke. I love to eat the food. I only eat round things. Yeah. <laughs> it, will they put Ms. Pac-Man in it? Oh, it'll be Pac-Mom. Or it's going to be Pac-Mom because we live in this world of Ms. Pac-Man erasure. Yeah. I wasn't sure if Pac-Mom was supposed to be Pac-Man's mom or his wife. But I've been playing the new Pac-Man World Repack. Mm-hmm. It's his wife. It's that his he wife. Has to call Pac Mom, I guess. Which oh, that's weird. I guess Pac-Man has like kind of like a Mike Pence situation with his wife. Yep. <laughs> I guess that's uh huh uh huh. Uh, but the game's real good. Yeah, it's kind of a check it out moment here late in the show. But that's uh, fine. It, it's really good. It's a lot like the original PlayStation One game, but they sanded off uh, a lot of the rough edges. Uh, the original game has like way too difficult of bosses, but they've they toned them down to a reasonable level. So it's it's fun and definitely worth the thirty dollars it costs. Oh, cool! I'm a big fan of that original Pac-Man World game too. It's it's fun for what it is. It is, yeah, for what it is, it's all right. Let's knock out a couple of quick ones. Uh, they're starting to work on the next Marvel Disney Plus series. A character named Wonder Man. Wonder Man is basically. What if Superman were a Hollywood actor as well as a superhero? And it, the series uh, reportedly is going to be a pastiche on making Marvel movies because in the universe of the MCU, they're going to be making a superhero movie based on another Marvel character. And it's going to be starring Wonder Man as a stuntman on the set, making another one a uh, Marvel movie. We're we're in that deep now that we can get meta about That's, it. That you fine. Yeah, I like yeah. meta. That's cool. Uh, but it, they announced it's overdue at this point. Yeah, um, almost. I, I agree. Uh, I, they're they're ripe for self parody at this point. Yeah, it's it was, uh, She Hulk is kind of that way a little bit as well, right? Yeah, yeah. But the big news is they're bringing in Ben Kingsley, who was the fake Mandarin in Iron Man three. And he was he was in uh, Shang Chi as well. He was in Shang Chi, and he is a he is a Hollywood he was a Hollywood act burnout a Hollywood actor hired to play the fake Mandarin. So and he's not playing the Mandarin; he is playing his actor self. So it's <laughs> they. My theory is they're going to be making an Iron Man movie in the universe of the Wonder <laughs> Man movie, and they've hired fake fake Mandarin to play real Mandarin. Who was also fake Mandarin. That's a great idea. It really, it really is, is, right? Very good. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, the last thing here, it's so weird that I want to bring it up. So, R.L. Stein. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to take this one or Big Chungus. It was, I, I, that's why I paused. Because I was like, I was, I was weighing my options. And you know what? No, Big Chungus can wait. That's, this is, that's, that's later news. We're going to talk about Zombie Town right now. <laughs> R.L. Stein is making a, has written a movie and it's being worked on, and it's starring Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. They're teaming up again. The last time was Spies Like Us, or maybe <laughs> Nothing But Trouble. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's a movie about a a cursed 
movie a film reel that uh inadvertently turns an entire town except for two teens into zombies which does sound like the plot of a goosebumps it does yeah now this isn't technically a goosebumps thing but it is rl yes rl stein fun fact about rl stein every time i watch wheel of fortune at the very end when you have the final thing and they give you the letters same when yeah r-s-t-l-n-e i go that's just R.L. Stein. Yeah, I do that every time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. He had a great cameo on Search Party. Oh, he did? <laughs> One of the characters that Chantel, who's just dumb and overly self-important, has like a hallucination that she's sitting down with like some of the most important writers that there are. It's like Shakespeare is there and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Maya Angelou. But also R.L. Sign. Oh, that's great. And it is actually him. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh. If you've seen him before, he has like no charisma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Are you are you kidding? You mean Chucklin' Bob Stein definitely doesn't have doesn't have charisma? That the, the joke is that he made a bunch of uh, comedy books for children under the under the the, the pseudonym Chucklin' Bob Stein. <laughs> Also, we finished that show, and the ending is kind of eh. Oh, yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel like they were ready to be done. Mm-hmm. But it's worth, still worth watching all the way through. It's a good show. Cool. But yeah, any, anyway, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd need a buck, so they're going to be in this kid's zombie movie. <laughs> they're going to be in the movie that turns everybody into zombies. It's oh. going to be an old movie, and it's going to have them in it. Or Either that, or one of, the, one of them's going to be like the mayor of town, and the other one's going to be the original, like cursed director that yeah. made the movie they're going to show up for five minutes and they're not going to be in the same scene together because chevy chase is difficult he's, he's chevy chase he's he's a difficult man and i don't think i have to say uh, allegedly on this <laughs> because there are there's at least 50 some odd years of of reports of him being a, a difficult to work with also he did not have very kind things to say about the trailer for the new fletch movie that's right. They're making another Fletch movie, but John Hamm is Fletch. It actually looks pretty good, but huh. it's definitely different from original Fletch, which may be one of my favorite movies. But I've Chevy, never seen it. Super funny. I would. I say this a lot. You should see that movie. Yeah. I mean it. You should see Fletch. You can skip Fletch Lives. It's not that great. It's fine, but it's not that great. But the original Fletch comedy gold really good and a really good mystery as well hmm. it's it's more investigative mystery but also chevy chase is being sarcastic they, they basically told chevy chase okay walk on set uh make fun of everyone on the scene and then say your lines and then walk off se- off screen <laughs> and it works it works really well so it's a really good movie dan Aykroyd's just going to reprise his cameo from the casper film oh yeah he, you're going to call someone else yeah someone else yeah, he's going to show up and he's always going to be carrying his crystal head vodka. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to draw attention to it. He's just always going to have it. They have it at Kroger, by you're kidding, the way. You're kidding me. No. Huh. No, they have it at the liquor store at Kroger. Interesting. They also have one that I don't think is related to Dan Aykroyd, but it is shaped like an alien's head. So it might be <laughs> It might be related to Dan Aykroyd. I mean, he does love aliens. He does. He does love and believe in aliens. That is true. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up for the week. Uh, You have been listening to Nerd Overload. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can find us each and every day over at nerdoverload.com. 
You can check us out on social media. Just all those ones you can think of. Facebook. All your favorites. Instagram. All the ones that are ruining the entire world. Yeah. Uh, it's a nerd <laughs> overload now. Listen, <laughs> social media is a hellscape, but we're okay. Yeah, but we're on there. Yeah. It's a place we exist. <laughs> well, hey, you can even email us at staff at nerdoverload.com. You can give us a call on the Nerd Overload hotline. That number is 586-372-8020. Leave us a message and we might play it on the show. The call's still out for uh, the, those messages about if you've ever taken one of our suggestions to heart. Yeah. I want to know what you thought. I want to know. Absolutely. Uh, am I full of crap or not? <laughs> oh, I already know I'm full of crap. That's <laughs> yeah. all right. It's okay if you think I am. I want to hear it. Yeah, same, same. Uh, you can find all of our back episodes on various podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. And finally, I'd like to thank David Pencil for the use of our intro and outro. You can find more of his stuff over at davidpencil.com. So again, thank you all for tuning in, and we will be back next week. Peace out. <laughs>